In, in lightning. Inspirational. Inspirational. Powerfully refining. Powerfully refining. And unapologetically controversial. Conversations with, with the Royal Impress. The entire world knows the secret of who you are. Now is the time to step into your queendom and become the Royal Empress that you're meant to be. One woman at a time. Conversations with the Royal Empress. Now Akima, she's the analytical Empress. Akima, she's the Empress that will challenge you. And Lakeshe Nadira, she's the Empress who tells it like it is. Now, straighten up your crown and be elevated through conversation. Conversation with the Royal Empress. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us once again as we share part two of Let's Talk About Sex. This is Lucky Shane Idira, and joining me again on this conversation is none other than my two sisters, Akila and Akima. So let's get right to it, ladies. Part two, let's talk about sex. Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> Where were we is a good question. Well, we were talking about sex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think we were talking about men at this point. And even though I think it's, it can, it it doesn't have to be men. It could be take, it could be women. But when sex is weaponized and used to control and used to, to take people out of power, I think it has that ability and it has that ability because of a weakness sometimes that we have. It's almost as if a weakness is being exploited. And we see that with nations. We've seen that with organizations, particularly with the COINTELPRO sending people in as agents. And a lot of times men of power don't realize that these women are agents that are being sent in to destroy them. But because you can't allow a big butt to walk past you without you needing to reach out and touch it, then you're, t- you're reachable, you're, you're not untouchable because people look at your weaknesses. We have, now we have social media, we have texting, we have inboxing. If anybody's doing any kind of surveillance, they can look at you as a man or a woman in any kind of leadership role and see the things that you're saying that you think are private. And then what do they do? They exploit that in you. It it really is. And it's unfortunate um, that it's at this point. And it's not that it's new because this is something that's been around, shoot, forever, right? I mean, when you think back even in scriptures and, you know, just historical context, um, you find that there have been many men who have fallen victim. Well, I won't even say fallen victim, but they have fallen indeed because of their inability to rise above their sexual desires and climb out of a low level of thinking into a higher space which I get it. I understand we all have our nature and everybody is not able to derive it at, you know, at certain places at the same time. But I also recognize that when a man or a woman for that matter, when we are um, only concerned about the carnal way of thinking and life, you know, just caught up into the flesh, then what happens or the consequences that we end up 
suffering because of our lack of being able to rise higher, we will find that it will literally suck the life out of us and bring us all the way to our knees. So if we want to be brought to our knees, and if that's where we're used to being is on our knees, then we'll basically end up in the same place. You know, you like to be on your knees, you're going to end up on your knees. Now, for those of you who are thinking like a little funny, you know, that, excuse me, but I'm just saying that. <laughs> it's, it's something to, um, to really consider because we see this in so many areas. You know, we see it in entertainment. We see it in politics. You know, we see it in the workplace. We see it everywhere. So what are we going to do, you know? How are things going to change? What needs to happen? You made me think of, when you talked about being brought to your knees, you made me think of the story of Samson and Delilah. Mm-hmm. In the Bible. Yes. And although I believe Delilah ultimately loved Samson, but she was sent to find out the where his strength came from. So she needed to get that secret from him. And because of his desire, it wasn't necessarily just a sexual desire, but because of his desire for her, he gave, he gave up the information. He gave her the source of his power. And she took mm -hmm. it from him. I think that so many people can actually learn something from that particular story when understanding, and this is a whole part of vetting the people that are in our lives. Yes, yes. I am one, you know, even though we joke about it, like who sent you? Mm -hmm. But that's real. Oh yes, it is. That's real. Who sent you? You have to be very careful, particularly depending on where you are in your life, your status in life. And if a woman comes to you and you're a man of means, you're a man who is out in this world that can make a difference. And she offering you sex on a platter right away. Something, some kind of bell should be going off for you. Something, you should get that uh-oh feeling in your stomach. Your spidey senses should start tingling. Because here you are, the person that you are, and this is what they come and offer to you? Especially, God forbid, if you're married. God but forbid. That's where that ego comes in. Yeah. And I know, and I know we're spending a lot of time um, speaking about this, as well, at least with part two here about men. You know, we started off talking about um, just the um, what we've seen exist over the years with men but this is the same i believe it can say excuse me the same can be true for women as well not only just being sent but just there has to be a second and a third and a fourth look that you give a second and a third and a fourth thought that you have when things that they just kind of appear out of nowhere and you get caught up quickly and you, you know, you talked about vetted things and just making sure that stuff checks out and not being so quick to rush down, whether it be the aisle or rush into the bedroom and being okay with that. Like, what is it going to cost you if you decided to wait a while? Mm -hmm. You know, Janet Jackson said that in her song. Let's wait a while. And she said it for a reason. Why, Janet? Why do you want to wait a while? Well, <laughs> because I know that if we move now, based on the feelings that we have, we might find ourselves in trouble. What kind of trouble? Well, I mean, we can go on and on, but we get the point. To be able to Ask yourself that question when you find yourself in a situation, whether you be a male or you be a female. 
can I just wait for a moment? Can I wait at least till the background check comes out? Can I just wait at least until, you know, I run my comps <laughs> to figure out if this is even the real thing? But no, no. And if you can't wait, then really what you're already saying to yourself, that it's not worth it. Because if you can't wait, and if you're that important to yourself, meaning if you love yourself that much, if you recognize the value of who you are, then you should be worth the wait, meaning worth the wait before you decide to make a major decision, and also worth the wait of you doing your due diligence and taking things to court before a judge, not literally, but meaning you being that judge, you being that detective, you checking things out to make sure that it's okay, just as if you wouldn't give your child poison because you want to make sure, you know, the, the sandwich or whatever you, you know, you have, you want to look and make sure that it's good. You shouldn't be wanting to give yourself poison. You know, this is how I guess for those of us who believe in stories or fairy tales, you know, whether it be Snow White and the apple or whether it be Eve and the apple, what tempts us can destroy us. And what we fail to have control over will choke us just like the snake that was in the garden. The snake will wrap itself around our damn necks because of our unwillingness to obey the instinct, our natural ability within, that voice within, the God, the spirit within. This is why it's so important not to silence that because once it's silenced, then the voice begins to, well, it's gone. It disappears. And now you don't even have a second thought, you just act. And then you find yourself in a situation like a Samson. You find yourself in a situation like a Martin, like a Jesse, like whomever else have found themselves in situations. And if any of the things that I've mentioned at this point right now describe you, know that this in no way is talking about anybody specific. It just so happens that maybe the shoe might fit. A little sparkle popped in my head. If the shoe fits, wear it, boy. <laughs> <laughs> For women, sometimes it's loneliness. Sometimes it's the fear of being alone and, and you just want to grasp onto something. Even though it's like that for men, too. But, oh, yeah. But, but it's also that ego. And, and I mean, I, I, I know that I talk about the ego a lot, but that's because it's a monster. It can be. And we really have to deal with that because I think a lot of things that we could avoid, we would avoid a lot of things if we could get control of our ego. Because oftentimes it's the playing to the ego. That's how some men get caught up because that woman comes in and strokes his ego. And I've even heard men say, well, you know, a man likes his ego stroke. Really? Why? When you, you told him before what ego means. So if I need to stroke your ego, why? Why do you need that stroke? It's okay to, it's okay to want to be loved and desired. But to have your ego stroked, we need to think about that. We need to talk about that. And it's a weakness and it's a weakness that causes you to become, to get destroyed. I agree. I agree. That's pretty deep. You're right. You know, we have this, we have this false sense of what success is. And in this society, success, oftentimes if a man is striving to be a powerful man or a man of stature in the land, part of that success or the ideology of that success is having access to as many people of the opposite sex that they want to have because they feel then it's this false sense of entitlement. I'm entitled to that because of what I do. It's like a politician. 
because of what I do, I'm entitled to have what I want. And we need to we need to rethink this or understand that those are false images or roles or ideologies that have been programmed into our head. We need to break that matrix. That's a faulty program. We need to we need to disconnect from that program. That's not success. And the program of young men to think that it takes a man is supposed to have multiple sexual partners. That's a slave mentality. Because that's what they that's what this that's what the slave master did with our brothers in slavery. Didn't matter if he was married, you go over here and impregnate all these women on a plantation because we want strong books. So our men think like slaves and don't even realize why they think that way. I actually had a, a disagreement with a coworker. He told me that all men cheat. I said, really, where, where you learn that at? Well, all men do. I said, well, maybe all the men that you know, but understand you don't know every man and you can't speak for every man. But in his mind, he had he spoke with so much conviction that he really felt he was right, that all men cheat, they just don't say it. So in his mind, he feels that men, the role of a man is just to sleep with as many women as, as he can. And so those mental models, we need to crush those mental models. We have to start with our young men and women. They have to be taught the appropriate roles at young ages. I've I've heard so many women tell their young men, you're going to be a heartbreaker. We can stop telling our young men that. Oh, my goodness, yes. Stop right? it. We need to stop. We need to stop telling. You're going to be a player. Why? Because we we're setting them up. Wait, we're setting them. We're programming them. That's what we're doing. I was looking at a video and there was a scholar talking and he said that the first seven years of your life is where you're being programmed at. So we're telling three, four year olds, he's so handsome. He's going to be a heartbreaker. He's yep, so a heartbreaker. He's going to be a player. You know, and we, and we think that's cute. That's not cute. It's not cute at all. And we need to break those mental models that have been programmed into our head and we need to rebuild the true ones. And the unfortunate thing about what you're saying, I mean, of course, it's true. That's unfortunate. <laughs> but also the fact that it is the women that are saying these things to these young men. But yet, so you say you're going to be a heartbreaker. You know, you're going to be a player. He, you know, and then when the man, when he grows up to be a man, or somebody else's child grows up to be a man, and now he's breaking your heart. And he's playing you like a fiddle or a classical violin. Now it's a problem. But it wasn't a problem when you were feeding it to him like baby food. When you were giving it to him freely by what you said. And so not realizing that you've created Frankenstein. This is your creation. Because you fed him foolishness and now he's turned around ate what you gave him and now spit it right back out in your face mother or auntie you know all these who played a role not to say that it doesn't come from a man because we see it all the time from men saying the same thing oh young player little player oh man you're gonna be breaking the women's heart you know and then we we want to give him a high five and then <laughs> even when it comes to some men who raise their sons, because think of it, men and women had typically raised their male children and their girls different, totally different. So for the young man, it's okay for him to go out here. This is like he's made champion. You know, how many girls you got on you? Okay, let me give you a little something, something. Let me teach you a little. But for the daughter, it's like, you better get yourself back in the house, you know? So they're double standards. But just think about the programming, as you mentioned, um, Dr. Hawk. Think about the programming that's being done by both male and female. So it's almost like, what is it that you expect to happen? If you feed the baby beans, they're going to poop beans, right? Whatever you feed them is what they're going to poop. I learned that when I got my first doll that 
you know, though I don't know that doll that my mother bought me <laughs> when I was young. But it was the one that actually pooped. You and I was know. huh? That was baby alive because I had a oh, baby yeah. alive. Yes, 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 baby alive. I had a baby alive, and that's when I realized the reality of whatever I put in her mouth, that's what's gonna come out in this diaper. And I'm like, huh? So I had a great little mathematical science lesson introduction, you know, one on one. Same thing applies here. Whatever you feed these children, our seeds, our babies, who eventually come raise up to be big people, <laughs> adults, functioning in society, whatever you have fed them, they're going to poop it out. They're going to actually give you what you put in them. And if all you gave them was a high five and, oh, man, you, you know, you the man, you the player, you know, going to be a heartbreaker. And that's exactly what they're going to do is break hearts, play fiddles, and poop until, unhealthy until food. Hmm. Yeah, I said until they <laughs> until they come into a higher level of understanding. Well, true this, and it's well, un- true this, and and that's the whole point of this conversation. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Unfortunately, it, it's just that we we see it so much, but then we scratch our heads and we wonder why. And so, what I'm given is the why. If you want to know why he spoke this way or he thinks below the belt why don't you take him back to first second third grade when you were feeding him information or programming him or her or her (laughs) that was not good yeah or that was misinformation yeah it it happened so much and and it's interesting because so many women nowadays and say well there's no good men or men are this, men are that. And I always go back to, well, who was the first teacher? And Hello. you can't, so, so that always amazes me, to be honest with you, when I, when I hear that. And no, we're not responsible for bad behavior in men where we're supposed to just accept bad behavior. But the point is, is that that's just a reality. But it's also a reality there are men who teach their daughters certain things. And then you have men saying, oh, women want this, women want that. But the father teaches his daughter what he should expect, what she should expect from a man. Those who are active in their children's lives. Yeah, good father does. Yeah. So, you know, or a good father will let her, the daughter know you don't have to take anything from a man because I'm here. And, but, but, but they still, we still teach them certain things. We teach certain things and we have all of these perceptions and all, and, and we're, we're yelling at the, each other about why are men like this? Why are women like that? But we never think about our contribution to the molding of those minds. But it's, it's just the reality of what happens. And so our attitudes about sex and what you're being taught about sex and how to use it to your advantage and to the detriment sometimes of others, it's just, it's, it's not good teaching. It's simply not good teaching because it doesn't do anything for anyone and in many instances, it erodes away at the moral fabric of our community. And right now we're living in this, this, this era where everybody wants this free love. And it's just like, well, you know, this is not the 60s. Free love costs you a whole lot nowadays. I think you were on your back getting free love. You're going to be on your back in the hospital somewhere trying to recover from the free love that you got. <laughs> and that ain't pretty. Yeah. So we just, but like I said, but we do have to, we, we just have to be more mindful and we have to learn what self-mastery really is. And part of the problem is, is lack of accountability, but it's also the inability to master the self. And we all fall short. We're all human. 
you're always striving. But some people just have such an attitude that they can't hear anything outside of what they're thinking. When you have a man that thinks it's okay to sleep around with five, six, seven, eight women at the same time, I don't mean in the same bed at the same time, but I mean just have that many partners. And it's like, if you having sex with all these people, what, what, what time do you have to be productive? That's a lot of sex. That's a lot of sex. You're not absolutely only, right. Not only that, how much time do you have as a man or woman who is whoever the one who's, you know, juggling all these sexual partners? When do you, that's worship. When do you have time for your, your personal relationship with Allah? your development with him. You don't because you're making all these people gods besides Allah. So God, sex is your God and those who you're sleeping with become your God. That's where you devote most of your time. So that's your religion. Some people's religion is sex because that's all they do is have sex on the mind. They spend too much time chasing people for sex, too much time getting it. So therefore that's their religion. You make an excellent point, Dr. Hawk, mm-hmm. about the religion aspect and the sex being that, because really it boils down to what you worship, right? So if you're right, if, if that person is worshiping sex, then that's a daily practice and a daily ritual that they're taking place in more than anything else. Then it sounds like a belief system to me. It sounds like something that you've married onto and you've adopted, you know as um really yeah your god it does sound like you worshiping talking about the altar for real <laughs> what i mean well of, what kind of where, where are you laying when they say go lay your problems at the altar <laughs> <laughs> well that that's the problem they said lay uh, okay. <laughs> literally, right. people literally yeah. took it literally, literally and they lay down yeah the bed is the altar Right, <laughs> you're frequenting that altar. <laughs> but what do we think when he's, when and we read the scripture? We talking about false gods. I I think we think it's some statue that somebody make. No, I exactly. We spooked exactly. out. We spooky. We think, oh, look at them. They build a statue over there across the street of Michael Jordan. No, that ain't the that ain't the the false god that is in scripture. We make false gods like some of us make religion. A, uh, I mean, make a yeah, religion a sport. Some of us make sports a sport. A religion, excuse me. Where you have some people, they so into sports, they so fanatical. That's where the term fan comes from, fanatic. So I mean, you have people who worship things that they should not worship. If you're putting all your time into something, that becomes your religion. And I think mm-hmm. we missed the boat on that. Some people eat all day long. Well, that's your religion. Food yeah, is your god. Right? Absolutely. Some and that's I'm so glad. All day. Yeah. Some people watch TV all day. That's your mm-hmm. God. Sometimes Absolutely. some of us are on our phone all day. <laughs> that's, that's, I guess Real that's my God, right? I stay on my phone. Really? <laughs> you better, you look, you better like stop worshiping false idols. I, I can't better stop you better watching stop. this iPhone, right? <laughs> you better come on, you better come on to this here altar and lay that phone down. <laughs> lay my iPhone down. <laughs> <laughs> you better Did lay it on down at this altar. Hey, you better leave leave that phone at the altar. Leave it there, child. Leave it there. But I mean, and I know we are we're making light of it because we're laughing. But this is this is real talk. These are gods. These are false idols. That's exactly what we know and believe. Um, the scriptures that say, you know, or talk about anytime that you feel like you cannot live without something you say things like man i don't know what i'll do if i have my fill in the blank man i don't know what i'll do if i have my phone man i don't know what i'll do if i have my my um my car man i don't know what i'll do if i had that that behind man i don't know what i'll do if i have my woman you know what if i what i don't know what if i what i do if i had it that that thigh, that leg, that chicken, whatever the case might be, whatever it is that we find, no, or that mate, that person. Oh, absolutely. You know, yeah, in that's a relationship, yeah. we make yeah. that person a god. I remember, yeah, beginning of my marriage. You know, well, like the second year started to turn, and I was just too focused on trying to be a good wife. And I remember 
going to my mom. I'm having this problem, having that problem. She said, Yo, you know what your problem is? You too worried about that damn man. Why don't you worry about God? She said, that's your doggone problem. Focus on him and everything will fall in place. I thought my mother was crazy. I said, this woman's smoking something. You know, that's what I'm thinking about. <laughs> My mother, did, my mother determined the drugs. This woman had lost her mind, right? This is what I'm saying because I'm young, 20-something, didn't want to listen. But I just said, you know what? She's right. I'm going to try that because I didn't try everything else. I'm going to try it. I just stopped being worried about him. When he say something I ain't like, I just look at him like he was crazy. And I went on to do what I wanted to do. I started focusing on me. And guess what he discovered? This woman is in love with somebody else. It ain't me. You're right. I fell in love with my Allah. And so when he saw I fell in love with my Allah, he's like, okay, I'm going to leave this sister alone. It seemed like, let me tell you what, my marriage has been good ever since. I had to learn. Stop making this person that I'm in a relationship my God. Of course, ain't nothing going to go right because that ain't supposed to be my God. That ain't supposed to be my Lord. So once I got, I put everything in in this right perspective, my life just fell into place. We put jobs before. I did that before. I done put a job before Allah, and he took that one. He said, okay, so if you worship this job so much, boom, I'm about to rock your foundation. I lost that job. So, I mean, we go through life, and we put things before God, and then we can't understand why life is in shambles or why it's not going right, because he wants you to figure it out for yourself. Well, he's going to make you figure out that that's not, that should not be put as a God before him. And so many people have lost marriages. They've lost their relationship with their children over a damn job that would get rid of you tomorrow. We need to cut that out. Yeah. And they're losing, they losing it over sex. That too. They're losing it over sex. Yeah, it outside the marriage, be it the lack of sex in the marriage. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It too is. Much in it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe too much. <laughs> because, because it's a reality. And we've already established, and I've already said, I, I can't even say it no more. We've established the importance <laughs> in a committed situation. Yeah. <laughs> But if you're running around, seriously, if you're running around juggling this one and that one and this one and that one and this one and that one, how do you have time to focus on anything else realistically? Well, that's the thing. They don't, and that's why their world is in a shamble because they don't have time to focus on anything else but that. So that's why, yeah, I mean, it's no different from somebody riding the white horse. If you want to ride, I mean, <laughs> ride the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, pretty much. And people become addicted. And, and mm-hmm. we understand that there are people who are addicted. Ride and when you are addicted to something, that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's, I mean, that's what you do. You, because it's, it's taking you for a ride. It's like, a, you know, Jenna Jackson, I know I keep mentioning her a couple of times within these two segments. But, you know, she talk about, come on and let's go on an escapade, right? Right. And it's like, that's exactly, so pretty much you decided that you want to stay high. The pleasure that you get out of the act, which we all have established and understand that sex can be a beautiful act and a beautiful coming together of two beings who are committed. We get that. But when you want to remain in bed, like, <laughs> and we talked about the, the, you know, not being productive when you remain there. If you lay on your back all day and all night, eventually you, your butt back is going to go out. Eventually. You're going to have an issue with your back, your buttocks, you know. People can't lay in the bed all day. But really what I'm speaking of is the difference between the upright existence and horizontal existence. When you stand up, and I'm speaking from a spiritual perspective, when you can stand up and rise from a condition that has been pulling and tugging at you because you have given up all of your control, then you're on the right path. And so for those of, I know we kind of made light of the situation. We joked about it. 
for those of you who are battling any kind of sexual addictions or just challenges when it comes to, you know, wanting to remain in a state that's not natural forever. Meaning, yes, it's like a, a, I don't want to be graphic, but have you ever seen, unless somebody has taken a blue pill, have you ever seen anybody remain erect the whole entire time? If they do, that's a problem. So I'm saying that you can't expect to remain in a condition forever. At some point, you have to move and change your position. And so as it is with wanting to be sexually active or participate in the act all the time or not being able to escape it because it literally has become your white horse, your God, or whatever it is that you're submitting to, what that's saying is that you've fallen and you've lost your way. And all we really want to do is kind of help you to get back up again. Not up in that way, but <laughs> you get down. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> we want to help. Double entendres, but go ahead. I know. I know. I've been doubling up quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Tongue is twisted and tied. Lord. But um, you, you get my drift. It's just that we, we really have to, um, we have to, you know, move beyond this lower level of thinking and be really willing to, to just work hard. It's not always going to be easy, especially if this is something that we've been programmed to do or if this is something that we're used to. It's not always going to be easy. But and we have been programmed, so let's be re- very clear. Yeah. We live in a society that, yeah. pro- that continues to program us and continues to sell sex. We yeah. continue to do it. Sex is in everything. We can't see anything now that doesn't have some sort of sexual innuendo. Yeah, even the cereal boxes, as I said before. Even the cartoons. Yeah, even the cartoons. It's, it's really sad, you know. <laughs> I was thinking, is there an age limit for like Hooters? No, where this is. <laughs> no. Works in children to Hooters. Huh? Oh, you mean no. can children go to Hooters? Yes, they can. So they can. So yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about that because see, even I, I something like who've that. Had their, who've had uh, their child's birthday party at Hooters? Now that wow. <laughs> that's are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? Yes. This is, this is ridiculous. I mean, it was a teenager, but nevertheless. Teenager. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, I, was, I had um, saw a, a meme, and I was going to post it onto our Royal Empress page, but I chose not to. But it was a meme of a mother who had gotten a birthday cake for her 19-year-old daughter, and the cake had lips and a hard penis pointing at the mouth. So it had lips in the, yeah, this is a birthday cake. She, her daughter was turning sweet 19 or 19 years old. And she said something about, I forget what the writing on the cake was like, happy birthday. Um, I don't remember, but it was, it was just, it was not, um, it was very inappropriate. Very disrespectful to me, in my opinion. And so I'm like, wow, so your child is turning 19. Your daughter's turning 19. And this is the gift that you give her on this birthday cake. I mean, wow, really. So this is, again, the programming. So what is one to do? What is one to even expect? I mean, from the diapers to the doggone grave, sex is everywhere. And you, you mentioned it um, before, Akila, when you spoke about the porn industry. Of course, this has a huge influence on why we think the way we think. Because in truth, if you sit up and watch porn all day, you are looking for this to be a reality in your bedroom so you're constantly chasing down this dream that's not even true it's a it's not even a reality you've been tricked and bamboozled to think that people are well i'm not saying well okay 
<laughs> I won't go there. But you definitely have been tricked if you actually think that what you see on these videos is 100% true. But then now you have false expectations and you go seeking it. Well, you'll never return from seeking because you're going to remain looking because you're not going to find it. And I think that's, that's the point that I was driving home earlier. I just never... I got to the point, which I do <laughs> often sometimes, um, which is that when you, it's like getting high, people continue to do drugs oftentimes because they're trying to get that same high that they got the very first hit, which is not going to happen from what I've been told. And it's the same way with the, the sex that we chase. You may want it to be like the way that it was the first time. I don't know. Not to say that it can't be a pleasurable experience, but you're constantly, if this is the only thing on your mind, so you're constantly chasing that very feeling of the highness that you once got. And so because you maybe didn't get it the second or the third, fourth time around, you keep going, you keep going. It's like eating food that it tastes okay, but you continue to eat it just because you think that all of a sudden it's going to taste better. I don't know if that's the best comparison. Mm-hmm. And you know, the porn industry now is right at your fingertips. So the days of having to, to, to rent a video or whatever is free porn all over the, over the internet now. Do they even have video stores these days where you can rent stuff? I mean, I'm I'm trying to, not trying to be funny, yeah, but I'm assuming CDs now. But I I say video. No, no, I mean no, I mean CDs, videos. What I'm saying is it a do they actually have places where people still go to get that stuff? Or I'm asking you, like you know, <laughs> Keep, well, know. I, yeah, actually I do know, but not oh, because, okay. not because I'm in the store buying them, but. Because, <laughs> But because I can see the stores on, you know, when you drive down the street, you can see the sex stores. They're named. Oh, okay. No, I'm. Yeah, I, I. Yeah, you're right. I get you. So, but the but the thing is, is that, but I know that you can also see this stuff online, which is which means if if it's available online, that means your children have access to this because most of us are also not supervising our children on these computers the way that we should. So when your child is on these little porn sites that are free, showing full out porn, they're being programmed. And what happens to the children when they keep seeing that? They want to experiment with what they see. So it's a premature exposure. When we expose our children so young, you desensitize them and they begin to think that something is normal, normal behavior, because this is what they see. And so then they act that out and then they think it's nothing wrong with it. It's the same way these young boys, as we were talking, and this is a whole other subject that we can get into at another time, but it's the same way with some men who will tell you that they started having sex at six or eight or 11 or whatever, and you're looking at them and you're thinking to yourself, no, sweetheart, you were molested. <laughs> you're exactly. right, I never looked at it that way. Exactly. You were molested, but because society has told you as a man that having sex is such a good thing. You would rather put it on sex. So then you, so then you then become promiscuous as a man. A lot of these men who are promiscuous like that. See, this is the thing that we we fail to understand is that we we say when a woman has been molested or touched that she becomes promiscuous. So do men. Absolutely. It's just that we don't get to the root of it. And because we pat them on the back and give them attaboys for quote unquote, their notches on their belt, then they see something that was a, that, that was really a act, you know, an unjustified act on them that somebody was a predator. They look at that as a notch on the belt, not fully understanding. And so to so sometimes that it's a mental thing for some of them. I, I, I had someone tell me that, yeah, you know, I was doing this when I was eight years old and 
my babysitter did this and she was, you know, I, I and I'm looking and like. They're bragging about this. They're yes. bragging about this crap. Yes. Wow. But, but, but look at the you're continuing to sleep with women like that. That yeah. was, we talked about this, I think, once before. Remember, Hakeem, when we went to see the play, The Penis Monologues? Yes. And Messiah, in his role, remembered the scene where he was in, the, in there and he, was have, he had the three women, like he was getting ready to have an orgy uh-huh. with them, or however you talk about it. And he made a comment about him having sex since he, when they asked him how old was he and he put this young age and the girl told him, uh, no, honey, you was molested. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah, but he went into this whole dialogue about that happening to men and then they grow up and they become promiscuous. Yeah. And they, they, they begin to see sex in a certain light that's not a good thing. So you... So you justify things in your mind because really the, the, to, to suggest that it's not means that something happened to me that shouldn't have happened to me. Absolutely. It's, yeah, it, it's so sad because as I just listened to that, it's sad for so many reasons. Um, because I know oftentimes we do overlook some of the abuse. And when I say we, I'm just speaking of society. Mm-hmm we overlook the abuse that a lot of uh, sexual abuse that men experience. And so therefore it goes unspoken about, unmentioned, just kind of hidden under the table, but then it manifests itself in adulthood or, you know, their teenage years. And then we wonder like, whoa, where did this come from? We are more likely to speak of what happens to our young girls when they have these experiences. Um, and either way is is just horrible because again it goes back to what we spoke of earlier with the program so you either were given something at an age where your eyes and your your mind should not have even had to go at a, such an impressionable time when you were going through your your growth um, and development process of just getting some of the basic things intact and then boom, you're dropped or a bomb is dropped on you where now you have to experience something, you know, things that adults experience. What do you think is going to happen? And, and it's, it's sad, but this again is why we know that one of the ways to get rid of or to at least address some of these issues that we're dealing with in an oversexed society is to be able to get to the root of the issue and then begin to deal with it. So in some cases, it may require counseling. And so you're absolutely right (laughs) that many people may not know that counseling and other types of things that might be able to assist. Again, I spoke about just being able to get to the root of it, you know, being able to talk about it. Let's like we started it off, you know, the, the subject is or the we we said the theme song of let's talk about sex. Well, oftentimes this is not something that we want to talk about, at least not like this. But we, we want to talk about the things that make us feel good and comfortable. Sometimes we need to talk, not sometimes, we need to talk about the things that make us uncomfortable about sex. That's why having this conversation is important. What should we challenge our listeners with, Dr. Hakima? You know I got some challenges, right? What? Okay, okay, okay. All right, my first challenge is, listeners, dig deep and search for the mental origin of your idea of sex. It originated mm-hmm. from somewhere, and we need to we need to dig deep and, and see what that is. Uh, I don't think it's somewhere in our subconscious. I don't think we really realize where those ideas formulated. So it's something that we need to dig down deep. Second, we need to evaluate how we use sex. Is it a drug? Is it to 
is it to give us this high that we need to overcome some insecurities or some pain? We need to evaluate that. Are we using it as a weapon? Are we using it to bring someone down or to control someone? And last, I'm asking the listeners to seek therapy to overcome molestation of a young age. Like, uh, you, 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 may, you put it so eloquently, uh, Lakashe, about how we, um, or Akila, both of you mentioned it at different times, but how we have a misunderstanding of what actually happened to us. While many of us think it was just an introduction to sex, it was actually molestation. These are things that we need to evaluate and understand about ourselves in order for us to heal. So those are my three challenges uh, for this topic. Excellent challenges they are, Doc. As always, we thank you for always bringing the little fire under the feet because <laughs> challenges, you know, challenge you. And so to be able to have it laid out um, so that our listeners can take the information and take heed is, um, is something that we need. It's something that we need. And it's really one of the only ways that we can actually move forward and make changes for improvement. And so I just want to thank you all for joining us on this two-part series of Let's Talk About Sex. And we look forward to you joining us the next time on Conversations with the Royal. Thanks for listening to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Impress. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation. For more information on the Royal Impress, please visit the website royalimpress.org. You can also follow the Royal Impress on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Conversations with the Royal Impress is a subsidiary of the Royal Impress organization. All rights reserved.